Genre. Hello and welcome again to the Cornetto Minute, the soon-to-be daily podcast where we will be reviewing, analyzing, discussing, and celebrating every minute of Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy, one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez, assistant manager, and I'm Scott Corelli. Oh, are you doing? Are, are you are you doing? Are you doing uh, Dwayne? Yeah, Sarah Fenowitz. Fe- festive, right? Festive. Uh, yeah. I know. I th- I knew I was gonna throw you for a loop because you're the one with the with the gimmick uh, in the <laughs> yeah, you never, in the opening. It really, it really did throw throw me off. <laughs> you're like, wait, he doesn't have a gimmick. That's my gimmick. I'm the funny one. Enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. It's like when it's like when Splinter would make a funny. Yeah. <laughs> I made it's a like, funny. What? We didn't know you were funny. <laughs> uh, sorry. And, and, and with us uh, today. Our uh, two very esteemed guests, we have uh, actor, writer, improviser, uh, Hunter Kennedy. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. Uh, Welcome. I think Splinter was a lot funnier than you guys are giving him credit for. I feel like he was always cracking me up. He, yeah. He was, always <laughs> like, he, was, he was like, hey, where's the pizza? Like, it would be a lame joke, but it, because it was him, it would get like a big laugh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh our other guest is uh an actor uh esteemed improviser uh austin sweetheart uh kevin miller Aww. hi guys good to be here yeah welcome i have no particular thoughts on splinter yeah <laughs> and you and you were also a fan you were also a listener on the last show i mean uh, and, and a guest on the last show oh sure twice um, twice time. yeah parts two and three had a blast. I'm glad mm-hmm. to be back. Yeah. And uh, today we are discussing uh, Battles, the fourth episode of Spaced. Uh, we're going over Spaced episode by episode before uh, Shaun of the Dead. So, yeah, uh, this is Battles. As always, this is written by Jessica Hines, Nate Stevenson, and Simon Pegg, and directed by Edgar Wright. And this is uh, kind of one of the more iconic episodes, I think. Or, I, you know, when people talk about space, I think it's... The paintball episodes normally like like the third thing or you know second thing to come up. Um, but is that fair to say, Scott? I I mean I guess I, I one of the things that I I you know doing this one of the things that I started to realize was that I think Community usurped uh, Spaced's throne for uh, paintball episodes. Um, so like yeah. now you look at this and I'm like, yeah, this is a little tame in comparison to what community ended up doing. But even in that community episode, if I remember correctly, in the commentary, Dan Harmon even said like, yeah, we were just kind of ripping off spaced and then it kind of got out of hand. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> when I saw this, I had no idea there was a precursor to the community paintball episode. It was really interesting to meet an ancestor of like one of those classic bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it not not to sound too dis- dismissive of this episode or, or, or in space, but it kind of sh- shit like this does exist in 
it, it's not in a vacuum. So like you can't watch space now without thinking without thinking about community. And I think did, did, did we bring up community last week as well? Mm, I don't remember. You did. Uh, I feel I yeah. Think, I think we did. I think we mentioned something about the Goodfellas episode, maybe or something like that. Yeah, or and two, it two does, episodes ago, maybe I don't know. And yeah, and, and you're right. Mm-hmm. Tame, tame is a good word because it it does sort of feel like watching an old. It it it. it I think this is this is age the most. I think. Would you say that? Fair to say? Yeah, I mean, it it definitely has kind of that. You know, you can definitely see its budget on the screen, but I it was interesting mm-hmm. watching it. I was thinking about like being in 1999 before because it, it, it I've never seen space before, and it reminded me a lot of kind of like Scrubs, I guess, like kind of a British Scrubs, and I feel like I, there was nothing around like that at the time. So like them even doing paintball in that episode, I feel like at the time was probably super original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like how. It's like how you would watch, you kind of have to watch Clerks now. If you're watching someone that hasn't seen Clerks before, you kind of have to pause it and be like, oh, this was back before everyone knew what Star Wars was. And it was in t-shirts on Target and like Big Bang Theory because the novelty of hearing people talk about Star Wars in a movie was a lot newer in 1994 than it mm-hmm. would be today. Now it's kind of like, shut shut the fuck up about Star Wars. Like a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, but what, what I've noticed is like I, when I first watched this show, which would have been prior to community, I remember this episode blew me away. I was like, oh, my God, the paintball stuff was so fucking cool. And I loved it so much. But then now watching it now and like all the Daisy stuff I thought was like boring. I'm like, yeah, OK, the dog's cute, but whatever. And now I'm watching it and I was like, yeah, I mean, they made hot fuzz and I've seen better paintball episodes than this. So the paintball stuff impresses me a lot less than the Daisy dog stuff, which I think is just so absurdly funny <laughs> in this. Um, like it was, it's just, it's, it's such a weird storyline or with the dog. It's so bizarre. And I, I, uh, I, I found myself really smitten with it uh, this time going through it. The, uh, the, 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 the paintball arc of the episode, I think, was very interesting because you got Peg and Frost together and they kind of mm-hmm. do have that hot fuzz chemistry, even the moment where, you know, he throws the guns to him. And I mean, that was so rem- like reminiscent of hot fuzz. And I feel like that just immediately excited me more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like- no, and I, and I love that, too. It's just it's that thing where once you've seen them do it at their best. Seeing them do it at like not really their bet, like it's just the beginnings of that sort of thing, isn't isn't quite as exciting uh, anymore. I think. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah. like if you ever, I don't know if this might be just, I may be just talking to Hunter, but uh, or no, no, I, I, it might not just be just specific to hip hop, but every once in a while, like you you'll be into a rapper and you'll listen to their early stuff, and you're just like they have a weird. Childish Gambino has like a really weird voice, and like his. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, right. very like nasally. Yeah, and 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 I think sometimes you can even go back to like a band and be like, oh, they didn't really, they weren't really them yet, and it's it's still super interesting to listen to like as a fan, but it's yeah, it's sometimes not it, it, it it's not going to be what you bump when you're like listening to it in the car. Right? Well, and it's it's interesting because it, it, in his later stuff, I feel like Edgar Wright finds genres to use his 
visual gimmicks better, but you know, like the moment where Simon Pegg got freaked out and it was juxtaposed with the Evil Dead 2 poster. Oh, yeah. Like that right. that that was yeah. very like it stood out as like that is obviously Edgar Wright's style, but it didn't really fit the moment, I didn't think. It was like a reference for the sake of making a reference, which mm -hmm. Is again in 1999, it would be like, Whoa, someone else knows who Evil Dead 2 is, right? <laughs> now in 2017, am I, it, yeah, it, in, in YouTube culture where everything has been remixed and, and whatnot, you know, right? Well, well, well the they classic, even talked about it. Go ahead, it, Kevin. It's the classic thing about the you know, the innovator doesn't look so cool in retrospect, and like. I always yeah, mention, yeah, yeah. like, if, if somebody sees Citizen Kane for the first time, they might not be that impressed by it because they don't realize how many things it's doing for the first time. And I don't know if you mm -hmm. talk about, like, constant geek culture references as, like, I guess it's innovation, you know, but it's just something that this thing was was kicking off. So there's, there's that, and then the, like, the wish fulfillment aspect of it is so delightful to me to the point that I don't mind how amateurish it looks because these are guys, like, mm -hmm. there's two levels of wish fulfillment going on. There's the characters who have always wanted to be real badass action stars, and then there's, you know, Simon and Nick and Edgar who have really wanted to make badass action movies, and, like, so both wishes are being fulfilled simultaneously with this just dorky, you know, display. Well, yeah. and on top of that, you have, uh, I mean, Simon Pegg mentioned in the commentary that uh, Dwayne is based off of his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend, Dean. Uh, <laughs> and so this whole situation is literally just him. Like he just, he's like basically apologizing to the Dean guy in the commentary because he was like, he was like, it's, I know it wasn't your fault. I'm just was kind of <laughs> mad and wanted to shoot you in the bollocks. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Shoot him so hard that he flies across a forest. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. up in the air. It turns into a kung fu movie for a second there. Yeah, yeah it, it turns into like a Ralphie Christmas story like dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and like Kevin's saying, like I, I get, I, I, I such a fanboy. Like I turned to Hunter at one point and was like. This was the first time Nick Frost had ever really acted. He was like a guy that worked in a Mexican restaurant. And like that that does wow. make it better because like you do kind of have this sense of like, oh, these are real friends. And like these are mm -hmm. these two, like these three twenty somethings got to like make a show. And there's a really cool shot of when Dwayne and Simon Pegg are putting their guns down and the camera's like doing a tracking shot. And just in that little moment, it's like, oh, is that that little added detail? Kind of that's what makes it better than just like kids making a YouTube video, you know? Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. And it's it's also that thing where, you know, you're seeing them at the beginning and, uh, you know, Edgar Wright, watching Edgar Wright films now, watching something like Baby Driver or The World's End or Scott Pilgrim um, or really any of them and you watch it and you're just thinking, my God, like how how are we how would we ever get to be this good at something uh and then you watch space and you're like oh well you know he came from somewhere mm -hmm. like it you know he he didn't he didn't have this all figured out uh in the beginning and he just kept kind of doing a lot of the same motifs and a lot of the same gags until he finally got them right and um I both, and uh yeah both could not and could absolutely believe that this was the director of baby driver you know <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. yeah. you, you see where it came from, but it's just so far down the road in terms of like developing his, his style and his skill and everything. 
Well, that, mm-hmm. that's kind of the strange thing about watching it is that I feel like he is limited in the sitcom format. And it's cool seeing ways that he, you know, breaks away from it and gets to what makes him such a special director. But I, I did feel like there were moments where it was just like a sitcom for a little bit. And it didn't really, mm-hmm. it, it felt like it came in waves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's a side effect of him not having a hand in writing it. Uh, because... Oh. You know, if you're if you're writing the thing, you can like say, oh, I want to do a scene where something that looks like this happens and then you just write it in the script and then you get to direct it later and make it look however you want. But if if you're not writing it, you don't have any control over that. So you're just given a script and you have to try to put yourself into it as best you can. And I think that's where some of the, you know, the bumpy stuff kind of happens in this where like you're talking about Hunter, there's bits in this where it just feels like a normal sitcom and there's nothing he can do about that because there's only so many visually interesting things he can do with three people talking to a dog on a couch. Right. (laughs) But then, you know, you go and watch Scott Pilgrim and he he learns how to shoot three people talking in a really interesting way. You know, like mm-hmm. he, he kind of like that. You can like, oh, like you can see the it's like there's this podcast that I like listening to uh, called Love Alexi. And I, I, I've told Hunter about this, but it's 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 cool because sometimes you listen to podcasts and they're interviewing like like Steven Spielberg or like Kathleen Kennedy and and it's like okay well I don't really you're like 10 steps away from me but with this podcast they're talking to people who have only directed like one movie or or have just booked their first pilot or whatever and it's like oh well you're only like three or four steps above me and sometimes and sometimes that is more valuable to watch so sometimes yeah like you can watch space and be like oh I can actually kind of see how he made those decisions or like, Oh, I can actually, that's kind of a mistake or like, I don't know if I like that moment that he just did, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about first draft, uh, sort of gags, like sort first draft sort of Cornetto isms or what have you. Um, and there's, there's a few of those in this one. Uh, one of them is the gag where Tim jumps out the window, which is very reminiscent of, of Scott jumping out the window of, uh, you know, when, when knives comes to the door. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, he just left, um, that, that whole, that whole gag. And then also, um, Gary King jumping through the window of, uh, the hole in the wall, uh, during the world's end. Um, or like so that's cradling the, Nick Frost's dying body. Yeah, no, right. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. at the end of Hot Fuzz. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's even a, the, the joke where um, when Brian, because Brian is in that paint camouflage at that one point and walks up behind Tim playing Tomb Raider and they're sort of having a conversation. And then when Tim finally turns around and sees Brian in the, in the paint camouflage, he says, you've got paint on you. <laughs> Um, which is like, you know, you've got red on you. Uh, so, so I, don't know. Yeah, I, I really, I really like that though. Cause I, I feel like sometimes writers or creatives can get really like precious with each individual idea. And like, I've been guilty of this. Absolutely. Where it's like, well, no, if I write it in this script, I can never use it again ever. And it's kind of like, no, like you can use, use shit again. Like you, you or don't be afraid to keep something and refine it. You know, well, have mm-hmm. you seen that uh, super cut of uh, uh, what's his face, uh, West Wing? Um, 
Sorkin. Right. Sorkin, sorry. Blank. Uh, it's a yeah. stupid cut of just Sorkin's little catchphrases that he just uses over and over and over in all his different things and whole snippets of dialogue are just lifted wholesale from himself. Mm-hmm. He has no fear Characters, yeah. Characters saying what college they went to. Right. right. <laughs> I, I'm relieved that you feel the same way about the, the, the Colin stuff, Scott, because that's kind of how I felt too with a lot of it. And mm-hmm. and it sucks because you know you don't want to be like, oh, the boys playing paintball was cool, but the girls going shopping for dogs was boring. Like, but kind of I don't know, just a lot of the humor, I don't know, the uh, the jokes didn't connect with me. I, I I will say I I was fascinated by the mythology of her chasing <laughs> dogs through the street to yeah. the point where they've formed a gang and they're trying to actively avoid her. That yeah. that was very interesting. And, and my now that I think about it, my favorite line in the episode is, uh, uh, "Come on, Colin, what's Colin? Like that's what I name my box. Like, yes. That's yeah, box Colin. I well, I just I love the the joke reveal of Tim's afraid of dogs because he was chased by dogs once, and then you find out that the dogs chased. were being chased by Daisy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the greatest thing. Um, I I I love that, and then I just I don't know. Just the idea of like, have you guys ever had a roommate that had a breakup and then just became obsessed with wanting to get a dog or a pet of some kind? We've definitely had friends dealing with breakups, but I don't know if the dog thing ever happened. You know, yeah, my I've definitely gone through like depressive periods, and he went uh, not too long ago asked if we could foster a dog. And just you know, a little bit about me for listeners: I have one dog, two cats, and twelve chickens. So I'm, I'm full and he wanted to foster this little pug and I was like, maybe like, you know, I didn't give it a flat no. And he was like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. And then I got a call from this pug adoption agency and she said, like, I assume you know why I'm calling. And I was like, no. And she was <laughs> doing like final background checks for him to permanently adopt this dog. And I had to just really awkwardly shut down this lady and then uh, awkwardly shut down my roommate like hey never never agreed to that so it wasn't i think i think legally there's a ratio of chickens to dogs you can have in a house before it becomes illegal yeah exactly <laughs> i mean uh, you know already running an illegal farm so don't want to push it anymore you don't need any attention yeah exactly <laughs> I do really like the 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 scene where Daisy accidentally tells Marsha about her boyfriend dumping her and then has to like cover for it. That's the um, yes. Yeah, because well, because it what I like about it is like they don't bring up the fact that they're lying about being a couple very much. Like I think that might be the last time they bring it up until like the end of series two. <laughs> um because they just don't, they don't, you know, it was, it was an excuse to get the show started and now they're not really worried about it. Um, but I, I did like that moment because I like it because I can see sort of like the gears as a screenwriter, which was that, well, Daisy needs to talk to somebody about this breakup that cares because Tim doesn't care. So who can she talk to? Well, Brian isn't going to be like a great shoulder to cry on. Like you might get a few jokes of him being like awkward about it, but he's not going to have a lot of experience in that situation and isn't going to be a very soothing uh, person to speak to. So the, that only leaves 
Marsha, but he, she can't talk to Marsha about it because Marsha thinks she's with Tim. So like, I, like, I just like how all of that, you know, Bill. sort of lays like, yeah, all of that builds to this great, you know, joke of her accidentally revealing it to Marsha and having to cover for it. Yeah. Um, I just, I really like that. I think it's cool. And I'm glad that that's the last time it comes up because you're right. It really was just an excuse to like have a show. Mm hmm. And yeah, and you you can really feel even in the writing process, like Heinz and Peg are just like they, yeah, it's not the focus on the story. Well, and that was like my first thought because it's one of the first scenes, and and I was like, is that is this just what the show was about? Is them just like like they, like it's just constantly like that Disney Channel? Like I gotta, I have two dates to the prom. Yeah. Like they just constantly <laughs> have the like escapades. Yeah. Yeah. Every every time they bring up the problem of them lying to Marcia. It's always solved very quickly, um, pretty much every time, except like, for the final time at the end and, of series yeah. two. But and you always get the sense that I don't, I don't believe that Marsha. Every time, every time they have to lie, I'm like Marsha wouldn't care. Yeah, she, she, in the moment that she, that Daisy said it, Marsha just seemed completely like non nonplex. Yeah. Like she was totally yeah. fine. I know. Um, yeah. But yeah, and there was uh and speaking of people Daisy can talk to, we get uh Twist, who I don't think was in was she in the episode before this? No, she was in episode two. The party one. Now, uh, a, who who is she? And B, why would Daisy bring her to go adopt a dog? She seemed like she was doing everything wrong that you would have to do in a dog <laughs> adoption. I, in a Twist is kind of so she's Daisy's friend, but it's sort of like those friendships that people have. You know, like Ed in their twenties when it's like no chemistry at all, but they're right. just like stuck together. Okay. And it was, I guess, further accentuated with <laughs> Twist being like allergic to dogs. Yeah, I do. Like no, no, no. She it smelled. It smelled. Oh, That's it smelled what she. Bad. Yeah, it just smelled bad. Yeah, like she just did. She had no empathy for the animals at all. She just thought it smelled bad. I, I like did. I did really like the joke. I liked the joke of Daisy repeatedly just shoving what looked like a $5 bill oh, in, in yeah. the face. Yeah. Yeah. Like expectantly. Yeah. Buying a dog over the counter. Oh, it's fantastic. I was saying I love the trope yeah. uh, in general of just friends who have no business being friends but just inexplicably are because it just reminds me of reality. Mm -hmm. And like sideways, uh -huh. I love the chemistry and sideways between the two leads because these guys are so completely different. And I just somehow totally buy it. These guys have stayed friends for some reason, you know, uh, the, mm -hmm. it's not even a yin and yang. It's just like an apple and a baseball, you know, right. <laughs> I guess Paul Giamatti would be the baseball. Yeah, yeah. Be the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Real thick, leathery skin. Like thick, leathery skin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Phantom Menace reference, uh, that they put in oh, yeah. based off the, based off the trailer, not having seen the movie yet. So they were like, still, they were making this in the ignorant bliss prior to the movie coming out. I'm not sure I, um, I'm not sure I know what reference you guys are talking about. Uh, it's when they meet Colin for the first time. And she, the, the, the pound manager or whatever you would call her, uh, says, uh, you know, if, if he, if he, if, if he's not adopted soon, we're going to have to like, get rid of, get rid of him. And, uh, twist is like, oh yeah, yeah. They'll go to heaven. And Daisy says, 
that joke about the gay club. Gay club. Why would he go to a gay club? And uh, and he's like, no, no, we're gonna they're gonna kill him. Right. And <laughs> and uh, the the manager says we'll put them down, all of them. Oh, uh, that's which, subtle. Which is. Was, yeah, I mean, is that. explain the timing of this to me because I like was most of the way through watching it and I was like, oh shit, he's doing his Darth Maul voice here. Uh, and uh, then I started to wonder, wait, this was the same year as Phantom Menace, so had he done the gig, mm-hmm. he had filmed his little role and was done, you know, like, do we know at what point? I believe that I believe this was shot in 98 and released in 99. So I don't think he would have done his ADR work on Phantom Menace yet. Okay. Um, Sarah, Sarah Finowitz hadn't. Uh, yeah. The funny thing that's that the, the thing that's great about space is that 99 come like has like this first season has a ton of star Wars references that are all really positive and lovely and, <laughs> Lucasfilm loved all of the jokes so much that they gave them permission to for the full use of their catalog music and nice. sound effects for season two. And then season two came out in 2001, which is after the Phantom Menace. Right. And it's every every Star Wars reference is them just shitting on <laughs> Star Wars. I just recently found out that that's Sarah Phenomenon's Darth Maul's voice and not only that but that's his first movie role was was that and i i don't know i need to find an interview to find out how he got that gig out of all possible voice actors <laughs> definitely so um, yeah and so um we have kind of yeah we have brian sitting on the dog which is funny uh <laughs> i that is such a dumb joke and i love it so much it's, we, we it doesn't it doesn't even and they never even call it back it's just like this stupid dramatic moment and then everything's fine right. yeah he, he sat on it and it was just totally fine yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you can just see them like there's that cut to him like i'm gonna come up and then they go to the other scene and then they come back to the scene and the first shot is it's just the happiest dog and they're just like see the audience he's okay we're just messing with well, you that dog already he looked so old like, yeah that was an old looking dog um, ada the dog that plays colin uh would not pass until uh 2010. Wow. The dog's IMDb has its death day on it? No, no, Edgar Wright, I, I Googled it. And oh. Ed, Edgar Wright wrote a little thing on his blog back in 2010, like, hey, just so you guys know, the dog that played Colin like passed away. But then there was like a photo of like, this was the last time I ever saw Ada. And there was like a, a con photo of them all together, like from 09 or whatever. And that <laughs> dog looked like it was about to, it was like a, a gray puffball. Oh, oh, that's sad. Now, in in future episodes, does Colin go on to just like start having his own arc and going on little adventures? Or yeah, well, yes, what kind, of, what kind of sitcom <laughs> dog situation are we looking at here? Yeah, yeah no, I mean, he ha- he has all kinds of uh, storyline. Like it, you know, his storyline continues in the next episode as the to be continued uh, yes, uh, puts that. it, and then. And then uh, he sort of goes to the back burner for a while and then comes back with, with an arc in, C- in series two. Uh, that's really fun. So, so Scott, yeah. I want to ask you something. Um, mm-hmm. I consider you to be a big proponent and fan of dogs in movies. Really? That's interesting. Every time I, I don't know. It seems like you really like Einstein. I guess that's and, true. And Copernicus. Yeah. 
and it just seems like whenever a dog is is used well in a in a movie, you really appreciate it. That's what I've apparently just not known this about myself. But okay, <laughs> all right, fair enough. You, uh, you make you make a good argument. Continue. <laughs> but so I, I guess I just wanted to know, like, what what were your what are your opinions on Colin and where do- Colin falls on into the dog canon? Oh, see, for me, actually, like, I think Colin's like near the top. I love wow. Colin. Um, I, I absolutely love Colin, especially, I mean, come on. Like the thing with, with the dance, Colin, dance. (laughs) That that was a moment where I had to look over to Nick and be like, what's going on? He's wearing like the the Buffy collar. He's a Shakespearean actor. (laughs) Oh, it's so absurd. And I love it so much. Um, and just the way that it abruptly cuts off mid laugh. Yeah, I, uh, I, I guess that's the good and bad stuff about the the, the B plot. This episode is it's like super funny and weird, but it like it never goes anywhere. It like it just it just floats off. Well, that's because it it's it's continued in the next episode. That's why. Okay. Um, so, so okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it concludes in the next episode. Uh, well, but it's, like Nick's point is that like. The, the log line for the show is she gets a dog and that's basically all yeah. that happens. Like there's a couple of wrinkles, but yeah. nothing that diverts from the, the one liner of she, she adopts a dog. Right. Yeah, there's, there's no one that even tells her, no, you can't get a dog. She just <laughs> right. Even after her transparent, yeah. like handing out a five pound note and just, you know, like and that, that, that woman for how stern she looked <laughs> was very, very compromising on the whole situation. Right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, she took the dog that they were about to kill. So, True. yeah, I yeah. guess that's not like just like some puppy. Um, but in any event, I really like Colin. I, I think Colin is like I, I did. There's something about Ada's like just facial expressions and yeah. I like her her long like kind of beard thing oh, that yeah, she's got going awesome. on. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of Colin as a as far as uh, fictional dogs are concerned. Yeah. Now they they've set it up that the beginning of the next episode will be he ate all that bamboo, like all of that <laughs> inside of him. He's gonna be full of bamboo. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So Kevin, what are your, if there are indeed any, uh, just <laughs> thoughts about? Based or the filmography of Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, you know, as a, as a comedy, not not more more than a fan, but as someone that yeah. you know performs and does comedy, like what, what what what's your opinion of all of this? So the first and last thing I want to say about this show is that until I pushed play on episode one, I was one hundred percent convinced that this was a science fiction show. uh, which I'm probably not the first one it's got the font you know and everything but and I was still like in episode two waiting for them to get beamed up in some form but uh I I, I guess not uh but yeah I love the the goofiness of it you mentioned the little throwaways like in the prior episode there's the one where Mike calls him having fallen asleep on the tube but also managed to switch trains and that just that happens once it, and then is dropped and then we're back to the show. I love how it's not afraid of these family guy style asides that amount to, you know, to, like to not. Proto family guy as well. I guess. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And it's like, uh, I like that, I don't know, you mentioned performing comedy. It's kind of like a well-executed improv scene in terms of just having goofy characters playing out a goofy premise, uh, not really, you know, the, the, the consequences aren't 
very big. It's a little bit deeper than like an 80s sitcom where everyone gets amnesia at the end of the episode, but uh, it, it smacks of that. And I mean that in a, in a complimentary way. I really enjoy that about it. Mm-hmm. And as I watch it, I feel like I'm watching like a 90s music video with the wide angle lenses and color and just like pivoting cameras and all this stuff. But like it needs a it needs a proper nineties pop soundtrack off of my iTunes to to complete it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they could they probably would have one if it could have afforded it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Edgar Wright generally I'm not like uh, I don't know, I've seen uh, Shaun of the Dead twice, Hot Fuzz twice. I uh, in when you guys just had an episode uh, where you talked about The World's End, and Scott, you said, like, if anyone ever tells me that The World's End is their least favorite, I know that they have only seen it once. And I was like, crap, I need to see The World's End again. <laughs> so <laughs> I fall into that. I mean, I definitely I definitely enjoyed it, and I don't have any particular reason I haven't seen it again. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to have the, the chance. And, God, I'm grateful to get the chance to watch Spaced. I've missed out on this. <laughs> It would be interesting to watch all of Spaced and then immediately jump to The World's End because to me, The World's End is the one that is like the most immersed in Edgar Wright's style where he kind of just, I mean, he is just running around like with a canvas, just painting it with visual gags. And so it, I, I think that would be very interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all. absolutely. I feel like ba- Baby Driver is fantastic, but it, it it's interesting because Restraint. you're kind of watching Edgar Wright grow and kind of sacrifice there are times where he could have easily made crazy jokes, but it would have hurt the story. And so you kind of are seeing him grow as a filmmaker and be like, I can, you know, I, 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 I kind of have to have a little bit of both. Right. Um, whereas the, the world's end is just like, I mean, it is. It is. It's kind of like his big short. Yeah. Mm. I kind of think of it, it's like his Wolf of Wall Street, where he's just kind of doing push-ups the whole time. Yeah. So yeah, so that's about wrapping it up. Uh, Scott, do you have anything else you want to say? Closing thoughts about this episode? Um, no, I mean it's it's a pretty light episode. Uh, you know, like thematically, I don't think it really comes together. Like it's called battles, and and I get that. I mean, there's a a battle between <laughs> not really a plural battle. Yeah, there, there's a battle with the paintball stuff, but like, there's no battle with the dog stuff, so I don't know why it's called bat. It's it's a very loose theme. Whereas I think the previous episode art, I think the the themes there definitely came together much much m- like much much more you know strongly than they do in this episode. I think they're 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 these two storylines aren't remotely connected thematically in any way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and it's yeah and there's like super fun parts of it but yeah it is it is very it's ramshackle even by spaced standards yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, all right cool well thank you guys so much for being on this was a great episode and uh we're chugging along with cornetto minute we're hoping you guys are enjoying uh just the show in general and you know start hitting us up we would love to start hearing from people about how they're feeling about the show and how you guys are feeling about space. And uh, you can hit us up at Cornetto Minute on Twitter, literally at Cornetto Minute. Uh, DuelingGenre.com is where we have all of our other podcasts and stuff. Is uh, We got a lot of, we got Immunities, Geek by mm-hmm. Night is coming back. Scott and I are hard at work on that. Uh, Kevin, do you have anything you want to plug? 
Oh, not in particular. I do improv around Austin, but anyone who knows that knows me already. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. H, do you have anything coming up? Any like shows you want to plug? Or uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of. Uh, I'm, I'm located in Los Angeles. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Hunter Kennedy. And uh, if you're in L.A., swing by. I do shows once every year. And, uh, yeah, you were at the Federal <laughs> earlier a few months ago. Yes. And, uh, and, yeah, and we will hear from you. <laughs> and we'll hopefully hear from you listeners uh, via email or Facebook at the uh, Cornetto Minute Listeners Pub. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we can't. Yeah, can't wait to start hearing from you guys. And uh, we will see you guys next week when we review episode five of Space. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Heads and tails, heads and tails, heads and tails. Heads and tails, heads and tails, heads and tails. Heads and tails.